Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Praise God. Before I came up, Pastor Steve was like, break a leg. So if something happens, I'm blaming him. And thank God we have some medical staff in the house. Amen. Let's all turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 40. A very familiar portion of Scripture. Actually, a couple of them. Pastor Ajala talked about it on Sunday night as well. But uh, my late grandfather uh, once told me that if he were to ever write a novel, if he ever got around to it, he would entitle it The Lost and Found of It. And I'm pretty sure that title would encompass a whole lot of plot lines. It's pretty, pretty broad, pretty vague. However, as far as I know, he, he never got around to writing that novel. About a month ago, I found out I'd be preaching this Wednesday service and began to immediately begin to pray, ask God, what do you want, you know, what do you want me to say? And, and within 24 hours, this impression of uh, lost lostness kind of began to resonate with me. So, Tata, if they're live streaming our services in heaven, I just want you to know that I'm stealing your title, and I want to call this sermon The Lost and Found of It. A family in suburban Chicago went to the mall around Christmas time, and after a little while they realized that their three-year-old boy was, was missing. He'd gotten away from whoever was supposed to be holding his hand, So they quickly created a rendezvous spot, and then they frantically began to look for their three-year-old. And one of them went running into the parking lot, yelling the boy's name, trudging through the freshly fallen snow. And and they go back, and nobody has him. The grandfather finally comes, and he has a three-year-old boy in hand. He said he found him in the candy store, and the candy was at face level. And he's just staring at all the candy. The toddler never knew he was lost. He had no idea that someone was looking for him. I want to preach a sermon called The Lost and Found of It. Out of Luke chapter 2, verse 40. The child grew and became strong and filled with wisdom. God's favor was upon him. Every year, Yeshua's parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up for the festival as custom required. But after the festival was over, when his parents returned, Jesus remained in Jerusalem, and they didn't realize this. Supposing that he was with someone in the caravan, they spent a whole day on the road before they began searching for him among their relatives and friends. Failing to find him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. On the third day, they found him, and he was sitting in the temple court among the rabbis, not only listening to them, but questioning what they said. And everyone who heard him was astonished at the sight of his responses. When his parents saw him, they were shocked, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been terribly worried looking for you. And he said to them, Why did you have to look for me? Didn't you know that I had to be concerning myself with my father's affairs? 
but they didn't understand what he meant. So he went with them to Nazareth and was obedient to them. But his mother stored up all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew both in wisdom and in stature, gaining favor both with other people and with God. Father, we ask you for your grace. We thank you, God, for your spirit, for your word. We ask you to minister tonight, to help us, Lord, to speak to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's a privilege to preach the gospel. I am privileged to serve here in this congregation, my wife and I, and we are happy to serve the youth here. But one thing I have noticed is that a lot of kids are just like me at 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. My dad was assistant pastor here when I was growing up. And there was a time when I realized, man, I'm lost. I think my old man was actually preaching one Sunday morning. I, don't, I forgot what he preached about. All I remember is, is the Spirit of God fell on me. And I was like right there by that pillar. You probably remember this. I was right there by this pillar and I was bawling. An altar call came and I, I came to right here. I was praying and Pastor Smith came and prayed with me. But something, something hit me. You're lost. You're lost. Let's talk about the concept of lost. What is lost? Because I know others have waxed philosophical about this before, but what is lost? Because something can be lost to me, right? But it can be found to you. Dude, I just lost a $100 bill. Dude, I just found a $100 bill, Right? Same $100 bill, probably like two rooms away. One's lost. To one person, it's lost. To the other person, it is found. The concept of lost is probably the most subjective concept there is. Can someone be lost without knowing it? What if someone were to come up to you and say, um, you've been lost your whole life, and I'm glad I found you. Come with me. I'm going to introduce you to your real parents, brothers and sisters, and village in Russia. Come with me now, right? You've, I'm glad I found. I'd be like, hey, that is so awesome. Let's go, dude. I totally, right? You'd be like, no, man. I've been not lost. I've been here the whole time. What are you talking about? I'm lost. Some said that the only reason things are lost is because we're just looking for them in places that they aren't. Or we deem something lost when it's not in the place it's supposed to be and we've exhausted all the other locations that it could be. Or I just ask my daughter, Alana, hey, where did you put my keys? And then she leads me to some random place in the house. What about Jesus? We just read this story. Can Jesus actually be lost? Right? We read the story. His parents are leaving Jerusalem. They've been there. They're going home. He's not with them. John 1, 3 says, all things came to be through him. That's Jesus. And without him, nothing made had being. So, Jesus is the creator of all creation. God created everything through him. So, it's kind of a weird irony, right? The creator comes into his own creation and he gets lost. It gets even scarier. Colossians 1.15. He is the visible image of the invisible God. He is supreme over all creation because in connection with him we are created... Him created all things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, lordships, rulers, or authorities. They have all been created through him and for him. He exists before all things, and he holds everything together. So Jesus holds everything together. So Jesus literally is the God particle, right? 
It's physically or physically impossible for Jesus to be lost in his own creation. So Jesus remained in Jerusalem. So me saying Jesus is the originator and the propagator of his creation doesn't really necessarily answer the question, was Jesus lost? Or did he just dip? Jesus dipped unto them and took off. To me, this is what it looks like. It looks like Jesus got lost so that I can one day be found because he leaves us breadcrumbs, not so that he can be found, so that because when he was lost, we can be saved. And in short, what I'm saying is I think he did it on purpose. This is the only story in between, you know, Christmas and the start of Jesus' ministry at 30 years old. John said, if we wrote down everything that Jesus ever did, the whole world couldn't hold the books, right? Jesus did a whole bunch of stuff. But all we have, the only thing that the Holy Spirit points out in between 2 years old and 30 years old is this one episode at 12 years old. Other than that, there's a 28-year silence. And all we have is the story about when the creator of the universe got lost. But no one ever told Joseph and Mary all this, right? All they had was that sick feeling in your stomach. All parents know what I'm talking about. That slow burn of anxiety, maybe the waves of despair knowing their 12-year-old small-town sheltered son was now lost in the biggest city in their country. How many of you here, don't raise your hand, how many of you ever lost your kid? One or multiple or all of them at the same time, right? How many ever have been lost? Raise your hand. All right. We are just a motley crew, man. I don't know what's worse, getting lost in the store or losing your own kid in the store. I guess it depends on which. Okay. Mary and Joseph turn around and he's gone. See, Mary and Joseph were small town people. Nazareth, where it's in Galilee. It's up north. It's not even in the same region as Jerusalem and Judea. Commentators think that they probably went to all three festivals, but most people in their region and their class didn't do that. Matthew Henry points out that they're there for all seven days. They could have left after two days. They're very devout people, okay? So they're very devout. End of the seventh day, going back home, Joseph's self-employed. He got all this stuff going on. And at the end of the day, they can't find their boy. See, I think that what must have happened here is that they gave Jesus a little more freedom, a little more latitude. He was 12. He was a good boy. And we know he was a good boy because if he wasn't a good boy, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now, would we? In short, you can say that they put their faith in Jesus, right? And this happens. My point is, is that it's easy to get lost. It's actually probably one of the easiest things to do, getting lost. Nobody ever gets frustrated because they can't get lost. Only some loser celebrities who complain about getting recognized and no privacy until nobody cares who they are anymore, and then they have all the privacy in the world they never wanted, right? 
Other than that, we're not complaining like, hey, man, I just know too much places, dude. I just know everything about everywhere. Getting lost is the easiest thing in the world. Just try being in a part of the world where you're not used to, and then you'll be lost. Mary and Joseph must have been saying to themselves, we had one job. We had one job. God asked us to raise this kid, and we had one job. All the Christmas stuff, all the angels and the announcement, and the shepherds, and the wise men, and the star, and all that stuff. He's going to save all the people. We had one job. They stayed the night where they were and turned around back to Jerusalem, their stomachs and not stressed out. James and Jude were fighting in the back seat, maybe checking every gas station and rest stop describing a little boy who looked like every other little boy in that part of the world. I mean, this is bad. You can't over-dramatize losing your child. I think the practical application here is that Jesus and his parents, and this is really deep, they were just out of step. Because it's natural for parents and children to fall out of step as children grow older and begin to take their own steps and explore their own paths. And they no longer hold your hand. And sometimes they get lost. Mary and Joseph are frantically looking for their son Jesus. Later on in Jesus' life, about 20 years later, in Matthew 15, Jesus would tell a story about another lost boy. Robert Morris pointed out that Matthew 15 isn't three stories. It's actually one story. It's an answer given to Pharisees about why Jesus eats with sinners. First part of the story is the lost sheep. The second part is the lost coins. The third part is the lost son. And Jesus is talking to these Pharisees in the form of a parable. And he's basically trying to argue that things that are lost can be found. Now, today, the debate is all around the concept of of lost. As a society, can we actually lose our way? Isn't that, come on, man, who who said, how can someone be lost? How can they lose their way? What what is that? There is no such thing as, as, you know, uh, just truth, okay? There is no middle way. There is no right. There's just everybody's subjective opinions of what things are, nobody's actually lost. Well, in this place and time, Jesus was debating with these men as to could something be found. So the irony is, is that the lost boy in the first story is telling a story about another lost boy. Luke 15, the tax collectors and sinners kept gathering around to hear Jesus And the Pharisees and the Torah teachers kept grumbling. This fellow, they said, welcomes sinners. He even eats with them. Let me read to you the story of the lost boy. You know the story, but I'll read it to you again. Jesus said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that will be mine. So the father divided up the property between them. As soon as he could convert his share into cash, the younger son left home and went off to a distant country where he squandered his money in reckless living. 
But after he spent all, a severe famine arose throughout the country, and he began to feel the pinch. So he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of the country, who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs, because why not? And he longed to fill his stomach with the carob pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him any. At last he came to his senses and said, Any number of my father's hired workers have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I'm going to get back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and started back to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with pity. And he ran and threw his arms around him and kissed him warmly. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his his slaves, Quick, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. And put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. And bring the calf that has been fattened up and kill it. Let's eat and have a celebration, for the son of mine was dead. But now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. And they begin celebrating. And we know the rest of the story. His older brother is out in the field. And the father and the older brother have a conversation as to why he's doing all this. And later on, the father says, we're celebrating because your brother was dead, but he's come back to life. He's lost, but he has been found. Now, this is an obvious indictment against the Pharisees. And this is who he told the story to. The question in the story isn't whether homeboy has been redeemed. The question in the story isn't whether he's going to be able to stick it out. The biggest question in the story is whether the older brother will come back into the house. The obvious allegory isn't necessarily between the Jews and Gentiles, but between the Pharisees and everybody else, because apparently Jesus had a soft spot for lost people. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. So Jesus got lost when he was a kid. Later on, he would tell a story about a boy who gets lost on purpose. So my question tonight is what do you do when you get lost? I once heard a guy talk about how he went to college in Colorado And he was in a forestry program, and they basically taught them, if you were to get lost in the Rockies, once you realize that you're lost, the first thing you need to do 
is stop. Because somebody's probably looking for you. The prodigal son's story is a whirlwind. He decides he doesn't want to live at home. He tells his dad, um, I wish you would drop dead and give me my inheritance. He moves to another country. He becomes the most legendary party boy of all time. He parties so hard and lives so reckless that his money couldn't keep up with his rock and roll lifestyle. And everything is going so, so, so fast until it all stops. See, either you realize you're lost and you stop, or everything stops for you and then you realize you're lost. Either way, you have to acknowledge that it doesn't matter what order they come in. It's one and the same. This guy was doing his thing, living his life, throwing the fattest parties. All of a sudden, it all stops, and he's sitting there in a pig pen, and he's like, I'm lost. Let's go back to the year 12 AD, right? Jesus is 12 years old. Let's go back to Jesus wandering around Jerusalem. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm out on a limb here, but I, it's almost like I hear a little giggle, I hear a little laughter. Like this, this had to happen. The more I think about it, I realize that Jesus, that he got lost, but he got lost for me. That's not to say that Jesus was cognizant of everything. That's not to say that I think that Jesus was aware of everything that he was and everything that was going to happen. He's 100% God and 100% man. He had to grow up like everybody else. I think Jesus was also looking for himself. D.H. Stern said that the tradition of bar mitzvah, where a 13-year-old boy becomes a man under Jewish law, didn't start taking effect until the Middle Ages. And some have likened this to Jesus' bar mitzvah, but it was a thousand years too early and Jesus was actually only 12 years old. But this is a coming-of-age story. So here are some things that, that really begin to scare me about this story. We have the creator of the universe at 12 years old, 100% God, 100% man, and he wanders into the temple and he begins to ask questions. Some young people think that if you ask your questions, that somehow you're going to break the universe. Man, if I start asking these questions, bro, I'm just going to like unmask everybody, dude. I'm going to break Christianity, Western civilization as we know it, federal government, all power structures can't handle my questions. If you think about it, dude, like the... Opposite of progress is Congress, bro. I got questions, man. The truth is, in reality, all of our questions are pretty much the same. We have the creator of the universe now questioning the order of the universe. Let me tell you why. He's in the temple. He's talking to the rabbis about what? About the law? About the word? about the covenant. He is the law. He is the word. 
and he is the embodiment of the covenant. Jesus is questioning them about him. I thank God the rabbis and the doctors of the law were on the game, their game that day. I'm glad they were able to answer his questions. I'm glad they were able to have that dialogue. Else it would have said, and the whole world ended in the year 12 AD. The point is that you can ask your questions. You're not going to break the universe. No one's going to be like, oh, you know, let me get back. God's not going to, you know, let me get back to you on that one. We've all gone through things. I remember being a young man and kind of agonizing over things and finally getting enough courage to talk to someone or say, you know, say something. My Bible study leader, Ben Martinez, I remember, you know, bringing something to him. He just laughed. I felt so good. (laughs) We're not going to break the universe. Did you know that Jesus never stopped asking questions? Jesus is in a garden all alone. He's 33 years old. And he's still asking questions. He's sweating drops of blood. And he says, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. But he's still asking a question. You never get past past the place. This may sound sacrilege, but you never get past the place where you stop questioning God. At least I haven't. Later that next day, Jesus, Pastor Garrett talked about this Sunday morning, Jesus would ask, Eloi, Eloi, lama shavaktani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His last words... Some of his last words were asking God, why am I lost? Pastor Garrett pointed out that this is the first time that he calls God, God, and not Father. He is totally alone. And he's asking a question. And the truth is, is that question actually could have broke the universe, but God held it together because that was the whole point. That was the whole plan. My point is this, if you find yourself lost, you need to begin to question everything. Let's go back and find our hero in Jesus' story. He's sitting in his heroic pigsty. And what does he begin to do? He begins to question. More importantly, he begins to question himself. At last he came to his senses and said, any number of my father's hired servants have food enough to spare, and I'm here starving to death. He wasn't looking for a number of servants who had food. In other words, he said, what am I doing here? What am I doing with my life? He begins to question himself. You can and you should question life. You should question the order of things. Even ask God your questions. If I said otherwise, I'd be a hypocrite. But in Jesus' story, this young man questions someone. He begins to question himself. And that's the one person that many young people fail to question. You'll question God. You'll question everyone else. You'll question the man. But have you ever questioned yourself? 
until we question ourselves, until we question our motives, our reasoning, our selfishness, our sin, our lives, there will be no answer. I remember being about 12 or 13 years old. I really wanted to serve God. It's really, but I feel the weight of my sin. I'd feel, man, I'm a sinner, man. I can't, I can't do this. I made a, a decision. I think Pastor Ed might have preached on it or something. So I started going to the prayer room and praying. I remember I looked up, we had some dry erase boards on the wall, and I believe uh, Bill Conrad was our, our Sunday school teacher, and he'd do these awesome Sunday schools for middle school. I remember seeing on the dry erase board during prayer meeting something left over from Sunday school. It said, there is no salvation without repentance. And that changed my life. Because I began to ask what repentance actually was. It's a word that I heard my whole life, right? I had, I had this carpet, you know, ingrained in my face from falling asleep on it. I've heard this word my whole life. But until I started asking, what does this word mean? Did it start to make sense? See, repentance, and we all know, if you don't know, I'll tell you. Repentance means you're walking this way. You turn around and you start walking this way. This young man began to question his life, question himself, and that led him to repentance, meaning he turned around and walked back home. That's the hardest part of this story. Who here has ever had to do that? I'm raising my hand. Turn around and walk back home. It's hard. Because you start doing it, and you're like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not, no, I can't. No. <laughs> I'm not telling these people. Oh, I'm going to have to... I don't have to repent, man. Nope, I'm not doing, no, I'm not, no. No, I'm, okay, all right. I'm gonna, hey, who's going to feed these pigs? I'm not going to feed these pigs, man. I'm going back home. Repentance is just walking it back. He starts coming up with this little speech, and we kind of gloss over it. Like it's almost unnecessary. But he says, here I am starving to death. I'm going to go back to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired workers. But here in his little soliloquy, if you don't count his possessive, my father, here in his little soliloquy, he refers to himself five times. He's repenting. Somebody else referred to themselves five times and got kicked out of heaven. Here, he refers to himself five times as he repents. I'm going to go home. I'm going to say, everybody, I'm sorry. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I know what I've done. See, if we want to find a place where we can be found, We have to find a sincere place. Jesus himself went to the temple. His mother said when they found found him, what have you done? What were you doing? Me and your father were looking for you. And he says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? See, the young man in Jesus' story, the prodigal son, went back to his father's house. 
And we've seen it pointed out before, but his father never left the house. That's interesting. The father never left. The father stood at his own property line and waited. But he did run out to meet him when he saw his son coming. It's like being found and repenting are one and the same. When you make up your heart to say, God, I'm going to repent. I'm sorry. I repent. You are actually setting yourself up to be found. He comes back to the father's house. We know the story. The father puts the robe on him, the ring on his finger. They kill the fatted calf. And even in the final scene of this lost saga, Jesus is weaving the idea of lostness into it the whole time. Because the conversation with the older brother, someone once asked, why is the older brother character even in the story? Which I would ask, do we ask, if, you know, do we ask Bill Shakespeare or Francis Bacon or whoever wrote that stuff, hey man, why is Lysander in Midsummer Night's Dream, dude? We know Demetrius is the man. Why did you even put Lysander in there? Why is Tybalt in there? He's just messing everything up. We don't question all these other guys, but we do question Jesus about his stories. The older brother is an allegory of Pharisees that Jesus is talking to. But he left them with a question. The story was meant for them, not for us. And the question that he left them with is, will you come in the house or will you continue to be lost? The younger brother comes in the house and he's found. And the older brother stays outside of the house, and Jesus is saying, no, he's the one who's lost. Back to Jesus. So he went with Nazareth and was obedient to them. But his mother stored up all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew both in wisdom and in stature, gaining favor with other people and with God. The boy Jesus was found in the temple. Needless to say, his mother wasn't too happy. But he submitted to them. His questions were answered. He had found his father's house. He had found himself. And Jesus himself was found. He was able to become the man that he was supposed to be. And that's actually where his story and our story really begins. It's the only place we read of Jesus' childhood is this bizarre little story about him getting lost. But I believe that there's enough truth in that story to lead us home when you realize, I'm lost. Things just don't make sense. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? Let me just break it down and simplify it. Jesus went to the Father's house and raised his hand. Went to the Father's house, and he raised his hand. I got a question. God, can you forgive me? I got a question. God, can you help me? I got a question. God, can you make sense of all this? I got a question. God, where are you? God, I got a question. Why did this have to happen to me? God, I got a question. And God says, this is where I want you to be, and this is what I want you to do. Find me, because I'm finding you. 
The the boy in Jesus' story, the prodigal son, begins to question himself. And that leads him straight to repentance. I wish I could say that that time here was just one and done. And, you know, there's many times answering altar calls, just losing it. Feeling the weight of my own sin. Feeling the weight of myself and my stupid decisions. But every time I repented and looked for the Father, I've been found. Every time I lifted my hand and said, God, I'm here, he said, I'm here too. Jesus allowed himself to get lost in his own creation so that we can be found. It's very simple. It's not complex theology. I remember when I first realized that God isn't afraid of of me. He isn't afraid of what I think are idiosyncrasies in his character. He isn't afraid of stuff that I read in the Bible and I ask him about it. I know that he is God. I know that he is the answer. There's some of you tonight, you're questioning everything you know. You're questioning everything around you. And I say you're in a great place. You're in a great place. The prodigal son found himself at rock bottom. And God said, that's exactly where I want you to be. That's where I want you to be. Let's bow our head and close our eyes in a word of prayer this evening. I thank you for your patience. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.